Thank you, Nikki. Wow, what a time with the Lord. How precious is it? How holy is it? How it's the holy thing. You're not going to get that in your car driving to work. You're not going to get it in your lounge. You're only going to get it when the body of Christ comes together. How beautiful is that? You're not, it's so precious. It only happens like this. When there's a coming together of hearts aligned towards Him, faces towards Him, and the Lord responds. It's a supernatural thing. You know, people get excited by magic and, I don't know, all kinds of things. This is a supernatural thing. That what you guys experienced? Did you experience that? Like, that's, like this is not just you, right? There was, there's an engagement, an exchange, and that's so beautiful. That's not at all what I want to talk about. <laughs> so last week, if you were here, Nikki divulged some secrets and he gave some juicy stories. But his main message, I hope that you took away, was that we are being shaped and fitted together as living stones. Remember that part? And that we are being shaped as we are on this journey of being saved, right? And today I want to add another bit of shaping to that process of being shaped and fitting in into this holy temple. And I want to take a look at something, an aspect of God and Jesus and the Spirit, and what He's really like in this aspect. And it might be a different view. And I fully recognize, and I feel like this, I feel like a kid with a 50 cal. You all know what a 50 cal is. It's a 50 caliber, it's the amateur of the actual bullet. It's a very, it's like the biggest gun you can get, like to put it simply. The recoil will knock me over. It's a very powerful weapon. And just like that, the word is a very powerful weapon. And the message from the Lord, I believe, can be very powerful. So it's not at a loss to me, this, the fact that this is, it's not heavy, but it's, it's a, there's a reverence to this. And I, I have to do it justice. So I pray for your, for your grace for me that, that what the Lord wants you to hear, you will hear in this. So listen to the end, please. If you stop halfway, it might, it might, it's not the whole message. I want to look at what God is really like in a specific angle. Because we drift, our worldview and the world around us, our culture, will shift our views of how we see God in a variety of aspects. And sometimes we see Him through the wrong lens. It actually happens quite easily. Just look at how many different denominations of churches there are. Because in some way, each one sees God in a different way. When we see God through the wrong lens, we will see leadership through the wrong, wrong lens. And then we will see headship, or even of a family in the wrong lens. So you can see how the, a cascade happens. And before you know it, Satan dece deceived us again. He loves to distort. He is called the great deceiver. And I actually want to set something right against that um, tonight. This thing that we, we may drift. So I want to look at what Jesus and God and the Spirit appears to be like in the Word, and therefore what we should be like. That's the end message. I want to start with a story. John 13, verse 3 to 17. Okay, excuse me, I'm going to turn around. 
I'll just, let's just read it. It's good to read Scripture, and then we'll talk about it. Okay. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power, and that He had come from God and was returning to God. So that speaks to authority and power. So He got up from the meal, took off His outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around His waist. After that, He poured water into a basin and began to wash His disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around Him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Typical Peter. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing the feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Then he says, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. So this, okay, let's go on. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Okay, that's, that's far enough. I'll stop there for now. So he's saying, I'm doing something, now you should do it too. Okay, you see that at the end of the message because that's the last bit we read. But can you remember the beginning of this message, of this, this part? So the scenario, they've been ministering and preaching all day in very dusty, dirty streets with donkey poop and all kinds of stuff in the streets. They walk with sandals. It is dusty. It is hot. Israel is a desert. We've been there. It is a desert. It is hot. And uh, so you can imagine, they've been walking all day. There's no uh, status deodorant. There's no, you know, the soaps probably weren't that good in those days. So you can imagine the picture, okay? Imagine, have you ever walked around barefoot for so long that your feet actually, that you don't recognize your own feet? Has that ever happened to you? Like, like, they're like in different colors. I have, I remember that. So imagine, so now they go into a house to sit down and have a meal. And this, it's been a long day. If you read the scripture before, passage before, and you can see how Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and he teaches. It's a busy day. And... You can imagine the disciples are like, hey, we're with Jesus, you know, bit of a, we're with him, and he walks in, they all walk into this room, and traditionally, a servant in a house, the, normally the lowest servant, would be ready with a bowl of water, and as people come in, you would come down and would wash feet, wash their feet. That's, that's a tradition, that's what was expected. So they all come in, and there's nobody like that, and they sit down at this, at this low table, and you can imagine this, this awkward moment, like, why, why didn't anybody wash our feet? And they were just like sitting there thinking, so, and you can imagine Peter going, oh, so where is this guy? You know, did, did Matthew not arrange it again, you know? And, and then Jesus gets up, and we read there, he takes off his outer garment, wraps a towel, so he's ready for work. And he gets down on his knees. And those dirty, crusty feet, he washes. He washes each one. 
and there were 12 of them. They must have taken a while. That's a long time for awkwardness. Imagine that. Like, imagine Peter looking at John and is like, you know, because he's their rabbi. There was a status. There's practically rock star status in those days for, the, for rabbis. I mean, you know, people really looked up to them. Now this guy does this. Imagine the awkwardness. And then Peter says, you know, you, this is too awkward. You can't wash my feet. And Jesus says, well, I must, I must do this for you. I must serve you. And then at the end he says, as I have been, you need to be. Just think that through for a while. It's not about... It's not about the dirty feet. It's about the nature of Jesus. What he's saying is, you must have my attitude, and this is what I'm like. I come in low, and I come and serve you. Jesus, the king. I come in low, I come and serve you. I'm honoring, and I'm serving. And this might seem offensive to us. It was offensive to Peter. He was like, uh-uh, just know where you're touching my feet. He's probably ticklish. I'm ticklish. It's horrible. <laughs> Don't ever try to wash my feet, guys. It'll kick you. <laughs> yes. But our, our worldview is our way to become significant, to matter, to count, is, is up, right? That's how every university advertises every course. You're going to make it, you know, let's go up. And it's, it's the way the world works. We have to reach up for everything. And Jesus comes and he shows the kingdom is on its head, turns the world on its head. It's opposite. It's coming in low. Jesus could have chosen to be born anywhere, guys. He could have chosen literally Caesar's palace. John, I find that very funny. <laughs> he could have been born, he could have chosen. He, he could have chosen when, he did choose when to break into time, when to step into time. He chose. And where, in, under what circumstances, under which laws to step in. And he probably chose the most difficult, most humble, cave, stable possible. Very strategic. Very strategic. I mean, it worked. Here we are. But low. We've been to that cave in Bethlehem. We've been to that cave. There's a church above it now. But we, we went a few years ago to the cave. And I've been there twice to see, like, this is where Jesus was born. It's a, cave, a limestone cave. It, even now, with all the, because people, when they build a church, they polish it and make it, you know, put, put, like, gold stuff around it. It's still a cave, you know? You can just imagine with the animals... Okay, Mark 9, verse 35. This is Jesus' direct words. If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. Okay, so you, for the guys, with the, often guys look, want the inside track, right? So if you want the inside track on being first, just be a servant. But there's a caution in that. We'll get get to that later. It says, not act like a servant, it says, be a servant. 
Don't go, okay, what do I have to do to be first? I must serve. Okay, I'm going to be the best tea maker to serve. Look, guys, you're seeing I'm serving, but you're not being a servant. You're acting like a servant. Whereas you go, wow, I would love to make tea for this congregation. If it's going to facilitate conversation between people and bless them, I'm going to do it. That's being versus acting. And that only you, and you can serve for years as an actor. We won't know, but God knows. Don't waste your time. Luke 22, verse 24 to 27. Thanks, Janine. So this is a dispute among the disciples as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. So there's a jostling. There's like, they still think Jesus is coming to be king. They're misinterpreting the prophecies about the Messiah, that he's going to rule, that he's a king. And Jesus is king, but they're thinking an earthly king. And now they're thinking, hey, can we get a little bit of the, of the glory? Can we get close to this, you know? And they're arguing amongst themselves. And then Jesus knows this, and he says, the kings of the Gentiles would lord it over them as those who exercise authority them over them call themselves benefactors, but you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest amongst you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. This is a key verse. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table, but I am among you as the one who serves? This is Jesus, the king. All the words prophecies about Jesus being a king, and he rocks the world by saying, that's how the world sees it, you know? But I'm here as the one who serves. So Jesus is telling them, I'm coming to serve. He says that, his words, I am the one who serves. Who is he serving? Us. Okay, can you see why I'm holding a 50 cal here? So Jesus declares he's our servant. Other scriptures, he even says slave. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3 to 4. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3 to 4. This is Paul writing. And he's writing... To the Corinthians, of course. And he says, he tells them, But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. What he's talking about is Jesus as king. The idea that Jesus is going to come and rule. Yes, he is. But not how they thought. And he says, you're actually preaching a different Jesus. You're embracing a different Jesus. The real Jesus is the one that comes to serve. And then Jesus says, you need to be like I am. How are we doing? Let me see if I need to cut a chunk out of this.
So you can see that Jesus is a servant, he humbles himself, and then God raises him up to sit on his right hand, right? So he gets the honor. And it's easy for us to look at it. Ah, so if we want honor, we must come in low. But that is actually still a selfish motive. And that is why I'm saying this is dangerous. Because we can think of serving as a means to get honor. But serving is honor. You get that? It's not a, me- not a stepping stone. Serving tea is not a stepping stone to becoming a com leader, a stepping stone to becoming a deep deacon. Being faithful in church is not a long, deaconship is not a long service reward for being faithful in church. These are not stepping stones. Serving is honor itself. Why? Because it's the Father's nature. It's the nature of Jesus. He acts as a slave. I've got a few more scriptures if you think this. Those are just few that pull out of context. It's not out of context, guys. And Jesus says, I'm your servant. But then he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Oh, thank you. What a good servant. (laughs) I like it. Thank you. Matthew 18, verse 1 to 4. Look at this. The disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So they, they're trying to figure out who of us are the coolest. Who is the greatest? It's all about the greatness for them, right? They're aiming, they're aiming there. Who is the greatest? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What is a child like? Thanks, Amado. What is a child like? Everybody wants to serve suddenly. Amado is serving. I'm getting water. This is amazing. I should have had this word long ago. Jeez. This is incredible. I've never seen such a quick response. I think we can just go to response time right now. I think we sorted here. So he says you must be like a child. What's a child like? Childlike faith. They come in humble. I see, I look at my daughters, my girls. They just want to please me. They don't want promotion. They don't want to be head of my home. They don't want to be the mom. They just want to serve, even without asking. Hey, I made this for you. Hey, I baked this for you. Look at this little card. Look at how I need my cupboard is. Look at, and they want to do things. They want to serve, not out of promotion, but they come in low. And that's what Jesus is saying. We must be like children, truly humble like children. Mark 10, verse 42 to 43. This is like as bad as it gets. Look at this. Is it this one? Yes. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great amongst you must be your servant. Before that, the disciples ask, can we have a place next? When you are in glory, can we sit next to you? Remember that? The disciples came and they say, hey, can we get dibs on the seat next to you? 
in honor when you are, when you are in glory. They actually come to him like, can we get a shortcut to, to promotion here? Like, come on, we're walking together in the dust. And then he tells them that. He says, and the others, the other disciples that heard them say this were indignant. They were like, hey, how come they get to ask for favor? We shouldn't be doing this. And they actually, there was like a bit of infighting. The word says they were indignant. It's like, that's not fair. They're going to get promotion. And they're complaining about it, and they didn't even get it yet. They just asked for it. No? If you look around in, in the church and you see somebody else get what looks like promotion, how do you feel? Do you feel, oh, I could have done that job. Why didn't they ask me? Or, I wasn't recognized for what I did. They should have recognized that. I really worked hard on it. And yes, he probably did. So they were indignant. And Jesus just smacks it. He just says, whoever wants to be wants to please me, or please the Lord, must be a servant. Okay. Jesus did not come to be served. You often think like, oh, I'm a servant of Jesus. Yes, we are. But that's at the end of it. We are a servant of Jesus because he's a servant and we are like him. Can you see how it works? He came to serve, give life, to the point of death. Think about, think about all the ways in which God and Jesus and the Spirit serves man. Think about the Garden of Eden being created. Who was it for? Man, Adam and Eve. The animals for man. Eve. It's the one thing God actually worked. The others he just spoke into being. For Eve, he actually worked. For who? For man, because it's not good for man to be alone. Who was he serving? Himself? He was serving man. When the Israelites were traveling in the desert, cloud by day, fire by night, in, the, in that culture, who would be carrying an umbrella over somebody so they can be in the shade? The servant. At night, who would be carrying a torch of fire in front of the rich man? The servant. What is God telling them? It's the nature of the Father. The greatest commandment, greatest commandment, is it thou shalt serve the Lord your God? You, I hope you know this one. <laughs> thou shalt love the Lord your God. Not serve the Lord your God. Ever thought of that? He didn't come for servants. He came for lovers. He came for a relationship. Out of faith, love in action, you will serve because you want to be like him. It's a sign that you do love him. Okay? So don't just sit, sit back and go, I'm so cool, even God serves me. You know? That's trouble. That's why I'm saying, this is a, I have to deliver this carefully. He says, I'm a servant, now be like me. That's what he's saying.
Then I say John 14 verse 9, it says, if you've seen me, you see the Father. The Father is like me. John 1.18 says, I've made the Father known to you by myself, by looking at me. Interesting point. When Jesus came, it's not so much Jesus that came and becoming man so that he can be like us. Jesus became man to show us how to be more like God. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. Okay? Chad, you? Good. Like, okay. It's not so much that Jesus becoming man to be like us. He became man to show us how to be like God. How to be like him because we need his nature. There's a difference. So in response, Paul would say, I'm free, but I'm a bond servant. Actually, bond slave to Christ. In other words, I'm a slave to Christ. And these days, slave is not because of the world's history. Slave is not a very cool word. But he says, I'm a bond slave. That's somebody who freely remains a slave. Freely sells himself to somebody and say, I'm yours. Do with me what you want. Paul says that to Jesus because that's the response. He says, I see you do that to the point of death, so I will do that. Can we do that? Matthew 11, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Okay, we need to learn this. Jesus is saying, learn from me. Okay, what, what, what is Jesus? He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So Jesus tells us we must learn from him. How is he? He's gentle and humble in heart. Humble in heart. Are we humble in heart or are we chasing up? Or are we coming in low? Are we servants? Matthew 23 verse 6, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees because the Pharisees were supposed to reflect God. Right? That was their job. But they loved the positions of honor. So he tells them, you brood of vipers, you're chasing the positions of honor, but you should come in low. You're not representing me well. If we as, 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 as elders stand here in front, or sometimes we see us sit, sitting in a, in a group, that's not a place of honor. We're not sitting there because we think we're cool and, you know, the leaders are here. It's not about that. It's to serve you guys. It's to talk. I don't know if you've noticed in worship, we would talk about what's the Lord doing? Where are we going? So practically, it's good for us to be together. It's not like, sorry guys, step back. This is for the leaders here. This is the leaders zone. You know, there's no special parking out in front. It's to serve you guys because we want to hear what the Lord has to say for this meeting. That's practically why we, I'll walk up and speak to Nikki or Clarence when he's here. You know, You also get false humility. And that is something like, I'm actually more important than you guys. But for you to recognize me and my leadership potential, I will wash some feet. I'm going to start washing some feet. And you're going to see how humble I am by washing feet, and then I'll get promoted. Be careful for that in your heart. You don't see yourself as a servant. You see yourself as great, better than most. 
but you're serving to look humble. It's a false humility. Be careful of that. When you want to serve or when you think you should be serving, check your heart in it. My heart is that you all serve, but primarily that your heart is there to serve. You can't fool God in it. Here's a cool test. If you feel you need to remind somebody of something good that you've done, then you've probably got a bit of that. You're doing it for recognition. I'm not talking about somebody you're walking with in accountability and you've come, overcome something and you've gotten breakthrough in something and you're serving in a place. That's very different. But I'm talking about if you're just shooting the breeze with someone, chatting, and you go, sure, you know, the other day, I just kept on praying for this lady and eventually she got healed. It's amazing. And the next time, it's not, it's not so much about the healing, it's about, it's about how much you prayed for them. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have to truly consider ourselves as a servant. Philippians 2, verse 2 to 8. Okay, let's look at this. This is Paul writing. He says, Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Selfish ambition. Be careful of selfish ambition, guys. Whatever, wherever that is, that's reaching up. So ambition is good. Ambition for the kingdom is a good thing. Don't get it wrong. It's like money. Love of money is bad. Money itself is not bad, right? Ambition is not bad. Selfish ambition is bad. Talking about selfish ambition. If you're ambitious for yourself, for your own gain, it's cool to be ambitious for the kingdom. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Are you doing that? Are you wanting to see people surpass you? You know, Marius, I see you hugging your boys. I can see your heart is for them to support. Okay, they've already surpassed you in height. But, but, <laughs> but that your heart is to see them fly. You would cut off your arm if it means that it would promote them. That's awesome. You, they're going past you. And could that be our hearts? Could that be a servant's heart of like, I don't care as long as the kingdom flourishes. I don't care if nobody sees what I do. That's God's nature. Where's Mervis? There's Mervis. Mervis, will you come here, please? Please come stand here. He's not, I didn't tell him about this. A real servant doesn't expect anything back. Now, this is a good friend of mine, okay? But he's also an overseeing elder. He oversees much of what happens in all of Just Gen and much of what happens in 412, especially in the worship space and the prophetic space. This is a man of great gifting and great caliber. I don't mean to embarrass you. I want to honor you. And he's on my team. And that is so humbling for me. And in a sense, in the local context, I'm leading Mervis. And he comes low every time. He holds his opinion lightly. He brings it low and he's like, how can I help you? He's super encouraging. I struggle to get a critical word out of him. I'm like, seriously, tell me what, what was wrong. And he just comes in low all the time. This man that could be leading his own church, his own 
chain of churches easily just through gifting alone. Maybe the Lord won't be in it. But he's here. He's faithful because he knows he's not doing it for me. He's not even doing it for Andrew. He's doing it for God's kingdom. Well done. Thank you, bro. That's all. That's what we're talking about. Not for recognition. Even now, right now, Jesus is praying for you to the Father. He's still serving us. It's His nature. Even now, the Holy Spirit, what is He? The Helper. He's fully God, but He's here to serve us. And then God says, this is what I'm like. You be like that too. Mark 10 verse 45. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. It's all over the Bible. But He's our servant. The same thing is said in Matthew 20 verse 28. He's going to prepare a table for us. Who prepares a table for a rich man in a house? Who prepares the table? The servant. Have you ever thought about that? We're not worthy of this. We can just be grateful. If you never get recognized for the stuff you do, are you okay with that? If you serve at 412 and you an usher and you miss all the lessons, all the sessions, and nobody even says thank you to you, and there isn't even a hot dog left at the stand when you get there because you served so hard and you get sick from standing in the rain and nobody says thank you. <laughs> with this congregation, it often rains when you do stuff. I'm just saying. We're okay with that. If you, what will you do? I might leave the church. You know? Think about that. Who are you doing it for? God might just be challenging you. Hey, who are you doing this for? Are you doing it so people say, well done? I've, I've personally, I've often, when I speak to Andrew, and he will say, oh yeah, that meeting, I heard it went well. And like, yeah. And I'm, I'm waiting for some kind of, like, like well done or, you know, nothing. I'm like, okay. And I just feel it's God going, oh, who are you doing this for? Not for Andrew. Whatever you do. Yes, we follow him. Absolutely. Anything, anywhere, anytime. But we're doing it for the Lord. We're doing it for the kingdom. That's where our reward is. Even if you never get noticed. If God keeps you in your position where you are now, whatever that is, in terms of the kingdom, in terms of the church, are you okay with that? Till the day you die. Would you be okay with that? If you're a home group leader, but you have a desire to, I don't know, lead a church, whatever. Would you be okay? And you know you have the potential. You know the right next words to say much better than I can up here. Would you be okay if God keeps you where you are? It might be a test. There's a spiritual dynamic of being faithful with something and being given more. It's in his word. So I'm not saying it will be like that. But would you be okay with it? That's the question.
An orphan spirit serves out of a need for promotion. It serves out of a need for affirmation, for a well done, for a reward. Hope to be noticed. A son serves out of love. Do we serve out of love or do we serve out of this need? Somebody notice me. I remember uh, when we were building this, this building, in the, in the male toilet, there was this counter, the cement counter. It was just bricks and there was a hole behind it. It was horrible. And uh, I could do some woodwork. So I, I asked uh, Grant Banwell, um, who was one of the elders here, and I asked him, do you mind if I do something about that? He's like, yeah. And did, I never heard anything else from it. So I got some wood and I took the measurements. I laminated this thing. I varnished it. And one Sunday, just before church, I came and I put it on it. Click, it fitted in, and this was this thick wooden counter. I don't know if some of you that have been here more than 15 years would know. As you came into the main toilet, there was this brown counter. I built that, guys. I, it was me. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. And I was actually okay with it. And I had to, it was actually, I had to settle it because I expect the guys to come to me like, hey, like maybe Andrew go, guys, who built that amazing counter, you know? <laughs> Sorry, false humility. It was me, okay. Nothing. Is God just going, who are you doing it for? But every time I walked in there, it was a reminder, who are you doing this for? And when you settle that, it's amazing because you know you're, having, you're feeling the favor of the Lord because that's why you're doing it for, for his smile. If nothing else, that's why we do all of this, for his smile. That's the why. Not for nothing in this world. So it's important to be content with what God has given you at this time. But here's a warning. Do not be complacent with what God has given you in this time. If he's given you a home group to lead, be content with leading that home group. Pray for more, but be content. But do not be complacent with it. Don't go, oh, okay, we're just going to maintain this home group. We're just going to facilitate it. And we go on every Wednesday. That's complacency. That's not being faithful with what you've been given. Push that thing. Like, be all you can be in that. Grow it. Invite people. Pray for every person if you're a calm leader here. Do you really carry the people on your heart? In your quiet times, do you pray for them by name? Do you want the best for them? That would be being faithful with what you've been given. But be content with that. So, as a response to this word, can we commit to do that? To tr at least try and follow Jesus' nature? To go low? Not to get the honor, but to honor him. Because that's what, why we're doing it. And God is a just God. He's a, he's a good father. He's not a slave driver. He's not looking for servants. He's looking for lovers. But out of love. We would want to serve his church. We would want to do that. If there's a call to serve, like we have now actually, our sound team is thin. Kids church workers are thin. We always need leaders. We always need home group leaders. We need deacons. We need elders. This church is growing so fast. There are lots of places to serve in. When you hear that, how do you respond? Oh, here's a chance for promotion. Oh, he has a chance to please the Father. He has a chance for his smile. He has a chance for expanding the kingdom. 
Michael, can you guys come up? Are you quick to respond? With a 412 conference, at the very least, are you registering to go? And then, are you signing up to serve as volunteers? Ushers, car guards, kids' church workers? Because that whole conference is about the saints working together. That's what it's about. And you're not, you're not going to miss out. It's a, it's, a, it's a God principle that what you sacrifice, you get back more. Don't think, ah, oh, but I want to be in the sessions. As elders, I think six, at least six of the elders already on our congregation have registered to serve. And you, I can say, well, I need to be in the meeting. I need to get tips from Andrew so I can sound clever here, you know. It's not about that. It's about the heart of the Father. One point I want to make clear is that to serve or be a servant or serving, that's not what saves us. You don't get saved by what you do. I just want to put that in clearly. That's not part of the preach really, but it's just a, I don't want the deceiver to have his way here. Serving doesn't save us. It's a love response. It's a love response. What saves us is faith. We're saved by faith. Faith is expressed in love, and serving is a love response. That make sense? Okay. Hmm. I'm just thinking how to. I'm done here. I'm just thinking how to how to go on. Okay. Let's all stand. funny how um, our minds sometimes respond to a message like that. It, it, it can easily be like, oh, help me serve harder, Lord, or help me serve more, help me to do this thing. But I really feel the way that Jacques brought the message, that the right prayer is, Lord, make me more like you. Jesus, make me more like you. I really feel that's what he wants us to pray when it comes to this subject of serving. Lord, make me like you. I want to be like you, Jesus. And we often pray that when we want to love better, but sometimes we're serving, we're asking for the strength and we're asking for the help, which is also good. But the way Jacques brought it across so clearly is that it's who he is. It's not just something we ask us to do. It's something, it's who he is. Let's close our eyes. Oh Lord, you are the servant king. Let us be more like you. Let's keep our eyes closed. If you hear and you've heard about Jesus, and for the first time you see something about him, and you're thinking, why would he come and serve me? 
And maybe for you, this whole thing has been turned on your head. But you realize that he's actually, he came to earth to save you. That requires a response. And most of us here would have responded to that word in the past. But if you haven't responded to that, or you want to respond anew to Jesus, just coming to earth for you, to save you. If that penny dropped tonight for the first time, with every eye closed, if you want to receive Jesus as the one that comes to save you, will you raise your hand? be brave nobody else is looking every eye is closed every eye is closed oh thank you thank you I don't want to rush this Holy Spirit come and work you the paraclete you come alongside we thank you Lord if there's anybody else if there's anybody else want to speak to to everybody here I still closed if you walked in here today when you stepped into this room into this lounge were you thinking okay what can I do or were you thinking who's noticing me be honest with yourself you were thinking what can I do to make this meeting awesome as you walk in here or you're thinking who is noticing me if you do some doing something or not the question is is there a part of us that's been maybe missing this what serving really is about what serving is can we commit to be like him we commit as a church, as a people, to be more like Him. visual prophetic statement that if you do feel that to commit to serve more the way he serves to come in low or if you think that or you remember or realize that you've sometimes been doing stuff to be noticed or you hope to be noticed that's okay but that it's for the Lord that you can just bring it to him now and say Lord this thing I want to bring to you you are worth it he's the only one worth it so if you do commit to that, it's come to the front. Let's step forward. And if it's lots of people, that's fine. Just come forward. Do business with the Lord yourself. We're not going to pray for each other. You can just come and talk to the Lord. But it's, it, it's cool to have an have a, have a expression of, yes, Lord, that's me. I want to serve you more. Yes, Lord, I, I see what it's like. I want to dedicate all the stuff I've done, all the stuff I want to do, I want to dedicate to you. Let's be part of a, of a serving kingdom.
to a servant God. He's asking us to be like Him. And if you want to be like that, just come to the front. Let the Spirit work with you, work in your heart. You can reposition your heart and posture yourself to be a servant for Him. We thank you, Lord. the 
wash the feet of the weary embrace the ones in me oh I want to be like you Jesus to have this heart in me cause you are the God of the humble you are the humble King you are the more time. You are the God of the broken. And you are the God of the broken. The friend of the weak. And you wash the feet of the
Father, thank you that you, that we can sing our response to you, that you are so gentle, and, the, and what you leave in the, inside of us is just love, just a, wanting to draw closer to you because you're so kind. Thank you that you're so different to us, that we struggle to even comprehend who you are. So Father, as we go into this week, we want to ask that we can be merciful on us, Lord. Let us keep our hearts open towards you, pointed towards the sun. Father, we thank you for your work. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you hear, that you don't leave us as orphans but you adopt us and you build us into your kingdom and you share your, your intimacy with us. So I pray, Lord, for a new mindset, for new eyes, that what's been hard, that you'll make soft. We pray this in your name. Jesus.